The NFL playoffs are officially here. We have absolutely crushed this NFL season, ending the year going 34 and 12 in the last five weeks. Our lifetime playoff record is 159 and 93. Get on board now and take advantage of our one time offer of 71% off wildcard weekend to celebrate our 71% win percentage on computer totals this season. All you need to do is Google Sharp Football, click on the website, Sharp Football Analysis, and click on the blue banner up top to get access. Welcome to the final Sharp Waiver and Injury Show for the 2022 season. I am your host, Todd Burrows. You can find me on Twitter at BestBallNFL, and I am joined once again by our waiver expert, Curtis Hirsch, at Curtis Harsh, H-A-R-S-C-H, on Twitter, and by our own Tucker Bagley at T. Bagley Sports. Make sure you're subscribed to Sharp Angles on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere you listen to all four of our weekly podcasts, including this one. The Sharp Betting Show with Ryan McChrystal, Sharp Angles with Dan Pizzuta and Rich Rebar, and Sharp Angles Fantasy with Rich Rebar and Fantasy Experts. Don't forget to subscribe to Warren Sharp on YouTube for fantasy football insight, matchup previews, in-depth stats and analysis, and more. And feel free to leave a comment, and please hit that like button. We would really appreciate it. Guys, the season is in the books from a season-long perspective. I guess it's time to show receipts. Um, I'll start with Curtis. How did you do this year? Yeah, I thought I had a pretty solid season, really consistent, just no huge winners, unfortunately, yet again. But I finished third in the NFC Online Championship for 20000 Had a chance going into the Monday night game, but that wasn't to be and it kind you of made twenty thousand yeah i won twenty thousand but that's awesome yeah it, it, it's nice uh but again I how did i not playing... know this before before this <laughs> yeah i don't know we're, we're playing to win so you would have known if i won uh that's we fair t- enough there was a comment on twitter of the payout structure and I, I'm a fir- firm belief bladder would be better because I, I want the receipt of winning. The money that comes with it is that's cool, but I, I want one of those wins on my resume, and that's more important than the money. So flatter at the top would be nice. And yeah, other than that, I had a solid season on FFPC, fizzled out in the last couple of weeks, some quarterback issues, and on FFWC. I would have won the main event had I backed up Jalen Hurts with a quarterback named Gardner Minshew, but I was out to lunch on that. So, yeah, good season, fun season, and just a nice break profitable from the season. day-to-day stuff that goes on. And profitable season. Yeah, paid some bills. Awesome. <laughs> Tucker? Yeah, I, I didn't have that kind of success, but it, it was a pretty decent year. I, I made the playoffs in a lot of my leagues. I, I didn't win any, but it was a year where I, I think talking with you guys and going through everything every week, especially talking about our, our draft strategy early in the season, I think it's a way that I think moving forward, I'm more set up for success when we get around to, to August next year. Well, for me, um, it was a very interesting year. 
I did not have my best best ball year ever. I, I mean, all you need to know overall for my season is my most owned wide receiver was Michael Thomas. My most owned running back was Rashad Penny. And my most owned tight end was Kyle Pitts. But despite that, I was down only, uh, I put in about 20 grand. I was down about, and I, I did very poorly on underdog. I need to reset there, go back closer to what I had done the year before, and hopefully find that lucky team. Um, in the FFPC, I had a good pass through, about 27%. And I got one team in the final. And so I needed a top 10 finish to be profitable uh, out of 63 teams. And I did come in fourth. And, you know, that was worth 12500 It put me profitable for the year. Well, you know, in, in, a, in a good way. And, you know, I you always want to win it. I agree with you, Kurt, Curtis. You know, the money's nice. And, but if I, you know, if I could make my money back every year and then get a big win somewhere along the lines, not just from the financial aspect, I agree 100 percent with you on the flatter payouts. Um, but to be able to put that on your resume. But I was 10th in this tournament last year out of four thousand. I was fourth out of nine thousand. And it made up for a lot of other bad luck. Um, got five FFPC semifinals. As you know, Curtis, you don't get anything if you lose. And me and my partner lost all five. And then I got to two main event finals and I lost both of them. Uh, so I was on a very unlucky streak, especially since one of those losses was by three points with Kyler Murray as my quarterback. Huh. But, you know, it made up for it with the craziness. I was done. I probably would have finished somewhere eighth to tenth um, if that Buffalo game had played through. So that's my season. And, you know, I'm already into studying for next year. Um, but let's talk about drafting regret. Um, Curtis, what's your biggest drafting regret and which mistake would you probably do all over again, knowing what you did at the time? I would still stay away from Josh Jacobs just because I don't think anyone could have predicted the season he had. So that I'll go with that. Uh, biggest drafting regret is Kamara over Eckler, even Kamara and Cook over Eckler. I read the signs of Eckler poorly. He mentioned that he wanted to play less. However, everything broke in his favor with Mike Williams missing time, Keenan Allen missing time, the offensive line struggling with injuries that he put up a historic season on receptions which are way more important than rushes so should have read that signal a little bit better but that's about it tucker yeah i mean my big draft regret is how much i invested in the broncos offense which sounds silly now knowing what we know about nathaniel hackett and how russell wilson looked but I was all in on Cortland Sutton. I drafted him high in a lot of drafts. I've loved Javante Williams since he was at North Carolina. I was really upset when the Eagles didn't draft him uh, a couple of years ago. I thought he would be a great fit here. So those guys were a lot of my high picks. And obviously Javante Williams went out, I think, in week five or six with the torn ACL. And Cortland Sutton became in invisible and, and lost all his touches to Jerry Judy by the end of the season. So it was tough through the middle way part of the season where I had a you know, really invest and really watch the Denver Broncos play football when everyone else got to tune them out. Yeah. Um, I, I could have used Denver 
because Russ was one of my most owned players. But I went with, um, as far as the one that I would do all over again, um, I would go unicorn hunting with Kyle Pitts again. Um, guy got 1,000 yards last year as a rookie. We all know that most tight ends do better in their second year than they do in the first. Arthur Smith was his coach last year. Um, there was a little bit of a concern going from Matt Ryan to Marcus Mariota. But um, knowing what I know now, to answer the question, I still would be overweight on Kyle Pitts. Um, other than Russ, my, uh, you know, I, I don't kick myself about that because I tend not to kick myself about things I can't control or that I reasonably couldn't have expected. And I don't know that you could have reasonably expected Russ to be as bad as he was. Um, for me, it's when I like a situation and then I get off it. One of them was Josh Jacobs, by the way. I was on him and then I got talked off him. And when I get talked off a guy that, you know, all the negatives aside, he was still likely to get over 200 carries. No one could have expected as much as he got. But um, the big one for me was I had so much Rashad Penny and I really liked Walker. He was, I liked his tape as much as I liked Brees Hall's. And I just decided that, you know, that I, that Penny, I thought was going to be the starter. I was correct, but I didn't build enough teams in case Penny got hurt. So I ended up with 7% Walker, a guy I really liked. And that's the type of thing that I kicked myself for when I, I like someone, but I don't make uh, room for a scenario that, I should have. Um, so that's it for me. Let's go over to Tucker with our next question. Unless one of you guys has a comment about something one of the other guys said. I'll add to that in the next question, I think. so. Okay. All right. What was your biggest surprise of the year? And what happened that you expected to happen? Tucker? Yeah, my biggest surprise, you, you hit on it, was the Josh Jacobs resurgence, and I'll throw in Saquon Barkley, too. I, I thought Jacobs was going to be done in, in Vegas at the end of this year. I drafted Samir White in the last round of a lot of leagues because I was impressed with the way he ran in the preseason. I thought Josh McDaniels would give him a lot of carries at some point throughout the season, and, and boy, was that wrong. I think he finished the year with something like 16 or 17 touches total, and Josh Jacobs won the rushing title despite sitting out Week 18, he said, I thought Saquon Barkley was done. We did a show with Warren, I think, before the season. And, you know, he had broken one tackle in the last two seasons. I thought there was no way he, he'd be able to play. And credit Brian Dable on that offense for getting him in positions to be successful again. And the thing that I expected to happen was the Arizona Cardinals just flat out imploding. Steve Kime now gone. Cliff Kingsbury now gone. Kyler Murray, if I was up to me, I would probably just sit him this entire season so they can try to help their draft stock and rebuild around him but that was a team that i thought was kind of barreling down the tracks of irrelevancy and here we are they have a quarterback making 45 million dollars with no head coach and no gm curtis uh, did the cardinals have a head coach prior anyway uh just we have warren sharp they had a fake sharp i i, I think that kyler's got enough skill and talent there if someone can 
get to his thought processes a little bit better and put him in better situations, I think there's a chance to turn that around. But they're losing an awful lot of veteran presence there too. So that's going to be an interesting offseason. Um, you, Todd, you'd mentioned that you don't like when you're on someone and you get talked off of him. I was off of Cortland Sutton and I had chatted with Rich about it in the offseason and he was very much of the same thought process that I was. And right before main event season, there was the narrative of the Bible study with Russ and that him and Russ were best pals outside of the football stadium. And I got on him and boy, did that was that a disaster. So that was my biggest regret in that term. And then what I got right, I got the tight end landscape pretty darn good this year. I drafted Kyle Pitts exactly zero times. I'd mentioned in that podcast earlier in the year that with Warren that I just, I love Kyle Pitts. It could come back and haunt me, but I don't like Art Smith. I didn't like the way their schedule set up. And I just didn't think this was the year he was going to break out. I'm going to be all over him next year, hopefully. But I kind of thought that. And then I just, I was loaded up on Kelsey. Outside of Kelsey, I didn't think any of the other four, big four tight ends were worth drafting. And then my next highest owned was Goddard, who unfortunately got injured. All right. For me, my biggest surprise was just the sheer quantity of injuries and how they affected the result. And I'll also throw in just how many bad offenses there were this year. Um, I didn't see that coming. From what I expected, I would say that the Bills and the Chiefs being the teams to beat going into the playoffs, that that's kind of where I thought we would be. Um, I thought Philly would be better. Uh, I didn't expect them to be this good, but um, – Definitely, I did expect the Bills and the Chiefs to be the best teams. Um, all right, let's go to Curtis with our next question. What areas of improvement do you see as most important to your continued growth for next year? I'm just looking at the Philly stats here. Can you men- name all the playoff teams that they beat this year? The Dallas Cowboys, the New York Giants, uh, and Minnesota. Maybe the record wasn't exactly what it seems. Well, it, it's interesting because they beat um, Jacksonville too. If you look at Pro Football Reference, they give you expected wins, and their expected wins were only about eleven and a half. Um, and we all know they won more than those. But um, to get to the question, what oh, areas of improvement do you see as most important to? Con- for your continued growth for next year, Curtis? Uh, maybe less biases as I'm trying to throw shade at the Philadelphia Eagles right now. No, I was actually on Jalen Hurts quite a bit this year. Uh, my improvement is my running backs. I was absolutely dreadful in the back half of drafts. I probably had Samir White sitting on 100% of my lineups right now, and I need to figure out how to get some of the guys that aren't just straight handcuffs involved in like the Kenneth Walkers. I didn't, I've stayed away from Kenneth Walker. I missed that. I was out on Pacheco. I need to take a look at my back half of the draft strategy for some of the running backs that aren't starting week one, but are going to get some work throughout the year, whether it's passing down work or a little bit of injury or even just spelling off the main running back. All right. So for me, 
the last two years I've been successful while missing on a lot of the best plays of the year. And I feel like the big part of why is that I used to watch a lot of tape and I was good at it. And the last couple, you know, I used to watch, um, you know, more games and then I would come back and watch some tape. And the last two years, all I basically have done is sit and watch Red Zone, which really doesn't give you a sense of the flow of the game um, and who is showing sparks of talent. So I already am halfway through week 10. And, and the goal is to try and take, you know, four or five weeks at least to really get a deep sense of who these teams are, who these players are, so that I can make better evaluations on situations. Um, uh, you mentioned challenging biases. That's an ongoing work. Um, and more study and less drafting uh, in the sense that to continue to, to study while you draft. Every year, as soon as I really get deep, you know, I end up with eight, ten drafts at a time or I'm looking to do live drafts and I stop studying. I need to continue studying. And then here's an interesting one. I, I really feel like a lot of the opportunity for high-end results comes from if-then scenarios. So I already mentioned Rashad Penny. And I'm not saying you take people you don't like just in case – they get an injury. A lot of times the guys who aren't talented, even if they get the opportunity, don't take advantage of it. But, you know, more thinking like, okay, I have 20% Penny. Why can't I have 15% Walker? If I believe that both of them are of value, which I felt that they were at their ADP, that if there was no injury, both of those guys could have paid off, you know, with decent uh, floors. And then say, well, what if one of them gets hurt? So that kind of if-then scenario and, and pushing myself to look at, well, if this guy gets hurt, what's going to happen? Uh, or if this guy gets traded, what's going to happen? I really feel, Curtis, that that can open up a lot of avenue to find uh, missing upside. No, I totally agree with you there because we – as drafters and as gamers plan for week one we don't really look ahead to week five and the situations that are like this year was so crazy in that every boat four weeks there was a different of which team was hot which players were hot so and like you'd said like if we look at if this happens what is the correlation and you're you're right i definitely agree with that all right um yeah, and I feel like I do look at players, especially in the double-digit rounds, as guys who might be there for the playoffs in best uh, in best ball, right? Um, I do spend a lot of time on that, but just the, uh, um, you know, that's more, it's, it's not as much if-then, right? It's, you know, you hope that a rookie comes on late or something like that. So that, that's more my thing. Let's take a look at the NFL playoffs. Let's start with some predictions. Tucker, who's going to the Super Bowl and who do you have winning it? 
I think the Chiefs beat the Eagles at the Super Bowl and the the Andy Reid Bowl. I think the Chiefs are the the best team of football. Patrick Mahomes is is far and away the best quarterback. The idea that that Josh Allen would even be on his level, I, I thought was laughable at the beginning of the season. It's even more so now. I think Allen's probably the third best quarterback in the AFC. Joe Burrow has surpassed him too, and I think you size up the Eagles. They're if healthy and if playing the way they played earlier in the season, they're the best team in the NFC. They have just to win. All they have to do is win two games at home. They don't have to worry about going on the road. They don't have to worry about having a backup seventh round pick quarterback um, or going to beat Tom Brady this year. I think they have the easiest route in an NFC that I don't think there necessarily is a, a huge standout, a team head and shoulders above the rest. But I think right now to pick any team, but the chiefs, I, I just, I can't think of any reason to. Um, Curtis. Uh, is Bill's Mafia on their way to get Tucker after those comments? So it'll be interesting. But I, I've got the Chiefs. Which whatever team comes out of the AFC is obviously going to be an 80% favorite in the Super Bowl. As like, like Tucker mentioned, the NFC is there's really a clear path for the Eagles, like the 49ers, and then my Cowboys. But I've got the Cowboys. Dak is going to clean up some of those interceptions and. Chiefs over Cowboys by two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Well, so, so far we've got the Eagles fan picking his team to get to the Super Bowl. We've got the Cowboy fan picking his team to get to the Super Bowl. Do I have the guts to pick the New York football Giants you to should. get to the <laughs> Super Bowl? I don't even have the guts to have them beat Minnesota. So I'm going to go with the Bills over the 49ers. I think that the uh, DeMar Hamlin stuff is going to uh, give them that little extra. Uh, and I think that they will get by the Chiefs this year. Uh, would I be shocked if I'm wrong? No. Uh, all right. So what team, and I think on our sheet, I, I put this question wrong. So if you need to uh, change your answer. That's fine. What team is going to surprise us the most in the playoffs and why? It could be one that will get knocked out early or one that will last longer. So not who got there is a surprise, but who's going to be the team uh, in the conference championship uh, or beyond that we're not expecting? Tucker. Yeah, it's funny. Me and Curtis talked about this before the show. I, I don't like any of the underdogs you kind of look throughout the the matchups especially this weekend i mean you have baltimore and miami both playing backup quarterbacks you have seattle going against the san francisco team that's beaten them by multiple possessions i don't believe in jacksonville uh, against los angeles so that kind of leaves me with the giants and i think the giants could beat minnesota you look at how they've played against teams the second time this season they lost the Eagles by 28 and then went and only lost by you know six this weekend with their backups. They tied Washington and they came back, beat them by eight points the second time. They played Minnesota close, only gave up two offensive touchdowns against them uh, on Christmas Eve, even though I know Minnesota is a tough matchup for them. Kirk Cousins absolutely decimated Wink Martindale's uh, defense against the Blitz. TJ Hawkinson and Justin Jefferson had something like 25 catches for 250 yards and three touchdowns. If I had to pick an underdog to, to move on to next weekend, I think it would be the Giants. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. 
Um, and I kind of got a little bit of a kick in the butt because I was going to go with the Ravens. And now it looks like they're not going to have uh, Lamar Jackson back. So they might um, not even have Tyler Huntley back. We yeah. want to talk about injuries. He didn't throw a pass today at practice. Yeah. So I, I have a hard time seeing that. So I will go with the Chargers. I think that they will beat the Jaguars and, and, and give whoever they play in the next round um, a harder time than people expect. Um, I, and I, I think like that call that uh, that defense is trending in the right direction. Brandon Staley's made some questionable calls lately, but they still have a lot of talent there. And I'll touch on my team is the Bengals. I've flip flopped on them now three times in the past three weeks. Like Tucker mentioned Joe Burrow is probably ahead of Josh Allen. I, I don't disagree with that. The swagger that kid has the three weeks ago, I was picking them to win the AFC. Then look, Collins gets injured, and last week Kappa got injured, and I thought the Ravens had a legit chance of beating them if Lamar played because that that offensive line struggled. He had a tough time getting the ball out quickly or or deep like to chase last week, and now that the Ravens don't even have a starting quarterback, I'm going to pick them to win again this week. So they they've been a real they've played with my emotions. I thought they're going to win the FC. I don't think they get past the bills now because of that offensive line, but I think they'll win this week. All right. Let's finish up with what player is going to stand out in the playoffs and drive his 2023 ADP through the roof. Tucker. Uh, I'm going to go with Jarek McKinnon. I think, a lot of fantasy players have been desperate to attach themselves to the Chiefs running back really since Patrick Mahomes got there. It's felt like a spot that has really just been losing value the way some of their guys have played in recent years. Jarek McKinnon has seven touchdowns, seven receiving touchdowns in the last five games. which leads the NFL. He's trending in the right direction. I could see him going out and having an, a two-touchdown, three-touchdown performance, maybe not necessarily having a, a Gabe Davis as How performance, about a Damian I think is Williams what inspired this question. Performance. But I could see McKinnon in that offense having a big role and come June and July, people talking about how this guy who I, I think is closing in on, on 30 years old, he is 30 years old, he's already 30, having a, a late career resurgence um, after what he does at the end of the season. I was way overweight on him this year, and I can pretty much bet that I'll be underweight next year. Um Curtis, who's your choice? Yeah, agreed. I won't be chasing that up the draft. You won't be jamarring that. But but he's in a perfect situation. He doesn't have to run between the tackles. He's got to just catch the ball, and Pat is trusting him in the red zone, so he's just screaming up, putting up the points. I'm going to go with CeeDee Lamb and Dak Prescott. Prescott led the league in interceptions despite missing a bunch of games. I hope he can put his... Best foot forward here, get rid of some of those mental mistakes. And see if that happens, CeeDee Lamb already had a big breakout this year. I think he'd prob probably be in the first round of every draft if they win two games this year in the playoffs. We'll see. All right. Well, I'm going to pick a Chief, but I'm not going to pick Jarek McKinnon. I was watching week 10, as I mentioned to you guys, and Kadarius Tony got six touches 
and looked really good with them. If that, if you remember, that was the game where he kind of hopped into the end zone and he, they threw deep to him. They were manufacturing touches. He then got hurt. He brings something to the table that they don't have. I will be playing an enormous amount of Kadarius Tony next week, as long as his salary isn't over, you know, isn't ridiculous. And I think if they're going to do what both of you have predicted they're going to do and win the Super Bowl, they're going to need one to two really big games out of Kadarius Tony. And I, I almost wish he wouldn't because Juju's a free agent. And I would love to get ninth, 10th round Kadarius Tony again to, to take shots on. I know he's an injury risk. I know he's a head case risk. But the dude, his quick twitch ability is like almost no one else in the league. I, I don't think we've seen this in the last 10 years, but the type of player he can be when he's got the ball in his hands. Like the dude is like Gumby and just can move and elude tackles like nothing we've seen recently yeah so that is my prediction of the guy who is going to be overdrafted instead of underdrafted because of a couple big games in the playoffs so that is going to do it for this show that is going to wrap it up for this year um i i know i speak for both curtis and tucker in thanking each one of you the fans who have listened to us and put up with my dad puns and my talking about my best ball teams way too much. Um, Tucker talking about his Eagles. Curtis being absolutely, completely jealous of Tucker's Eagles. And oh, we, 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 we want to thank each of you for listening. Don't forget to check out the other podcasts on this channel. You've heard me talk about them every week. I hope each one of you has a, has had a very successful season and a great off season and good luck to everyone as we head to next year. 